You are listening to episode 71 of Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. And with me today are two of our regular panelists and a special guest. We have freelance writer Rob Zachney. I really miss coffee. Do you really? I do. I haven't had it in weeks. I relied on Tom. Is that some sort of euphemism? Oh, God. I hope not. We're also with us, uh, after a long hiatus, Dr. Bruce Garrick. Yeah, uh, uh, hello gamers. <laughs> <laughs> and our special guest making a much-anticipated return appearance to Three Moves Ahead, my friend and editor-in-chief over at GameShark.com, uh, uh, Mr. Bill Abner. Bill, Hi, thanks everyone. for coming. Yeah, it's great to be back. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be strange. It's, it's it's very good to be here again, but it's going to be strange because on this particular podcast, I am not the straw that serves the drink. So I have to know my place. So I'm, I'll be on my best behavior. And Bruce is back. I heard he hasn't been here for a while, and I was he was here the last time I was on. So that's kind of cool. Well, it's uh, been uh, tough scheduling everybody, and Bruce, of course, is an insane schedule, and Tom's schedule is crazy. So we had a month of just Julian and Rob, but Julian wanted the week off, so we gave it to him. Uh, this is Rob's life, so here he is. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> anyway, glad you could all come, uh, and this week I want to talk about uh, a genre of game and a type of game uh, that I've been thinking about because we received uh, from our friends at uh, Calypso. Uh, preview builds of Disciples 3, yes. uh, Kella's uh, new... <sighs> this is the thing. What do we even call this? Tactical, fantasy, turn-based strategy? Sure. Wait, wait, wait. I, I thought, I, I and thought we were going to talk about World Cup simulations. We're talking about something else? World Cup simulations? We could are... totally do that. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. Oh, come on. We could, we we could talk it's some not, championship. It's not even answer. a real stra- it's not even real sport, much less uh, a strategy game. How how do, you watch Formula One? You have no <laughs> room to talk about what's a sport. Oh, I, I think that gives me plenty of room to talk about it. Formula One, unlike Rob soccer. Watches Formula One, quite a bit. Yeah. I watch uh, and you have the, and you have the stones <laughs> to, to rag on soccer. Well, see, the great thing about racing is something usually happens regularly. No, Do you watch harness things. racing? Do you bet on harness racing? How about the dogs? I have bet on dogs. I have. <laughs> I have been to the dog track. I have. Good, it's a true That's story. That's awesome. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we are not. We're not going to get into another sports sim discussion. I think we are not. Okay, so basically, <laughs> Disciples Three. Um, Easiest way to describe it might be like it's a King's Bounty type game. Um, it's just like the tactical component of the Here's My Magic. Campaign games, um, and it's an entire game out of that, basically. Yeah, it's a, but I'm looking for I, what, what do we call them? The Disciple series has been around for a very long time. I know Bill's a big fan of the Disciple series. Um, so, I guess there isn't a handy name for them, but we know them when we see them. Tactical yeah. RPG, I like it. Tactical RPG, well, yeah. Bruce says they're not RPGs. So. What's that? What? Yeah, are you completely blindsided me there? You think that those are role-playing games? No, I think they have role-playing elements. Okay, yeah, this, you guys are completely crazy. 
Anyway, I want to start by talking I about... I a role-playing game. I want to start by talking about uh, what we thought of Disciples 3, the Disciples no, 3 game. No, You're crazy. What are you talking about? Are you people insane? Probably. Wait, this characters, they level up. Wh- in which game? All of them. Name a specific game that you're claiming is a, is a role-playing game. Uh, Jagged Alliance 2. Um, so that, that, that I, that's, that's an interesting, but, but somebody was, somebody was saying that like, uh, like, uh, Age of Wonders was a role-playing game. No. Okay, good. No. All right. Now, Jagged Alliance, we can talk about the reason that Jagged Alliance 2 is or is not a role-playing game. I don't think it is. But, uh, I mean, you, you can, I, I think that's the one, that's the, the one of the closest one. I, I'd be interested in talking about why Jagged Alliance is not a role-playing game. Actually, Jagged Alliance 2 is not a role-playing game. Jagged Alliance 1 is really not a role-playing game at all. But Jagged Alliance 2 might be close to a role-playing game. Why is that a role-playing, not a role-playing game, and the Fallout series is, for example? Anyway, let's start with the Cypress <laughs> The Cypress <laughs> is not a role-playing game. Into- well, but that's a strategy game. We talk about strategy games here, right? right? I, a strategy game. Yeah. So let's talk about Disciples 3. What we thought of the preview uh, build that uh, mm-hmm. our friends were nice enough to send out to us. Yes. Uh, our, how much time we put into it. My computer died just as I was getting into it, so I have not put as much time into it as I wanted to. It's just long enough to here. appreciate. Long enough to appreciate, you know, the nice Russian. Uh, that's, yeah, that made it a little difficult. Uh, so... Bill, you're a big fan of the Disciples series. I am. How far did you get into this first? Why do you like the Disciples series, and does Disciples 3 uh, live up to your, so far, the preview live up yeah, to Yeah, it's really early to get into the living up to the name thing. It's, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it, of the old games, mainly because it it took that Heroes of Might and Magic thing and tweaked it just enough, and it was it was a very simple game. It was, it was something I could sit down. It wasn't racking my brain. I love the artwork, particularly of the sequel. It was just a very pretty game to look at, and it and it 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 challenged me enough and offered me enough new new things that's where I I really enjoyed it. This is a lot different in a lot of ways. I've only you think played. Think Heroes of Might Magic is a role playing game? No. Well, then. I don't. I wouldn't okay. make that argument either. I rest my case then. Check and okay. make my friend. You win, Bruce. Okay. Um. Anyway, before I was rudely interrupted. You were very um, rudely interrupted. Yeah. Well, I I I, I know that. But this one, I've only played the tutorial, and I just started to dabble some into the Empire campaign, so I've, I haven't played a ton, but I think enough to get an idea of what's going on, and it's, it's different. This would be the first one that, where you actually have to maneuver units on the battlefield, which is, which is brand new to Disciples. I mean, if you, if you played the old games, you remember that everyone stayed static on the screen. You had your front row, you had your back row... If you had a guy in the back row that was behind a guy, he couldn't be hit unless it was ranged weaponry or magic. And this is this is this is different. This is your you have your grid, and again, it's like the newer heroes of might and magic games where you can maneuver around the battlefield and, and do all that kind of stuff. So in that regard, it's a very different game. And I'm not sure what I think of that yet. I kind of miss the very simple. You know, you've got four or five units here in your fight, and it's all quick and fast. And this kind of drags things out, I think, maybe a little bit unnecessarily. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Um, the overland part of the game is somewhat similar. If you remember uh, in the second disciples, how you took those rods and jammed them into the ground, and that's how you gained um, space. You know, you didn't like capture a mill. 
you had to put right. the, a rod in the ground and then it sort of spread your influence over the land. It's similar here, um, but at least so far, you have to put these in designated areas, and I don't recall that being in, in the old games. Jordan, yeah, do you remember that? No, I do not. Yeah, did I, 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 I don't know how much. No, never did. I did. I, I played a lot of Disciples 2. Okay. Way, way back. Um, reviewed it for, I think, some of my earliest volunteer review work was in the Disciples uh-huh. series. Um, and, you know, they're. Yeah, there were Heroes Might and Magic games, and I liked the simplicity of the tactical combat. I liked I did too. And it, it was very old school. It was an old school game. Uh, this is clearly an updating of it. Uh, clearly a way to try to get more animation into it, uh, more motion instead of the units sitting back and taking their more lumps. More emotion? More motion. A- a- animation and motion. I think it's more emotion. No, there's, there's not a lot of emotion. Okay, good. Just check. Okay, that's fine. Okay. There, there aren't many titans crying. Okay, good. Because we'd hate to see that. Okay. We'd hate to see the titans cry. Uh, Rob, do you have any much experience with uh, the King the, this series or the no, other? No. Uh, no. No, Disciples 3 is my f- introduction to the uh, to the series. So I, I really couldn't comment on the earlier ones. Um, but yeah, going, going back to the whole, like, territory control thing where you're, you're going to these nodes. Um, uh, yeah, I... I I'm not sure I see really how much that fits into what I have to do. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure I really see that much strategy um, involved. There's, like, strategic elements, but it almost feels like, um, it feels decorative to me. Like, you get lumber mills and stone quarries and all that, but I haven't really, there's not enough for me to do with those resources to really have, to really make it into something that I have to concern myself with. Uh, most of it is just a very sort of King's Bounty um, style journey through this over map, um, you know, killing groups of monsters. And those how battles. Long have, how long have you played, Rob, in, uh, with, with the beta? Oh, God. I mean, I haven't had much time either. Uh, probably just like eight, nine hours. Well, you're longer than I am. How, you're, in the, you're in the campaign then, obviously. Yeah, I did the tutorial, and uh, I think I'm really close to the end of the uh, first mission, actually. But it just it goes on. Okay. Yeah, in the older games, those those resources were vital. I mean, you could you could uh, you could take other players' resources. You had these uh, guardian angels that would come and shatter the other person's rod that was on the ground, and you could take over their stuff. And it got to a point where if you didn't have certain resources, you know, just like in a Heroes of Might and Magic game, you had to have that stuff to be able to build up your armies. And having just like one mega stack wouldn't work. I have no clue if the third one's like this, um, but. But in, in the second game, you really needed to have ample land. Well, and I think, I mean, the thing, the thing is that I haven't, the, the thing I haven't gotten into enough, I mean, I really haven't played enough of this game, but what I can sort of see happening is, um, you know, you've got an AI faction fighting you and sending its heroes through the map, and you've got mm-hmm. to keep your eye out for them. But, I mean, what I see shaping up is you're going to have to hire more heroes and have multiple armies running around, and that will probably put a strain on resources. Um, where I'm at in the game right now, I have more resources than I know what to do with, so I'm just basically grinding through the uh, tactical sections. Yeah, I hope it changes, because that's definitely not how the order games were. If you just had the one stack, you couldn't cover the whole map. There was no way you would have you would have areas taken from you. And the AI in the old games, I mean, this is you know how old is Disciples Two? I mean, that's that's oh, that's, that's, that's going back a ways. Early, 
Yeah, that's two thousands. That's a guess. Yeah, at know. least two. Disciples one was like ninety eight. Yeah. Disciples yeah. two are talking twenty oh four, twenty oh five. That late? No, 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 no. No, it was well, earlier than that. No, bunch I, of expan- I'm, I'm thinking of the expand. A bunch of expansions. Maybe it's well, regardless. Anyway, for the I mean the AI even for back then. Excuse me. I thought it was pretty decent. I thought that game put up a pretty good fight. So I'm hoping that they can kind of live up to that because I didn't. 2002 Disciples 2. Okay. Yeah, yeah that sounds better. I, that sounds right. Um, so yeah, Rob, I'm hoping that it, there comes a point in the game where it's like, okay, I've got this one this one hero who's really strong, but I need to build up other guys. And that was that was one of the things in the older games that, if I remember right, it, you'd get to kind of a sticking point to where if you didn't, if you played with just the one mega stack and just march that hero around trying to put out all the fires and didn't build up other heroes the design would kind of screw you to where you'd get to a point where you had to have other heroes and they're like level one and the only and way to get the experience is through combat and they can't win and you're fight. getting smacked around right. yeah yeah so it's also an integral part of the disciples design you're right yeah so that's uh but yeah this is this is very similar you know if if you're a fan of the old game to where you have you have your tree when you go to build, and you have to pick a certain path. And if you go down one path, you can't upgrade with something else. You know, I'm trying to think of some of the new units, but it's escaping me now. But um, it's very, very similar as far as that goes. The main difference that I see right now is that in combat, your dudes can move. <laughs> that seems to be the biggest change. And the artwork, I guess graphically it looks better, but I, I kind of miss that old art style. I I love the love the art. What was the what was the old art style? Uh, it, it's similar. Uh, the best way to describe it is it looks very similar to this, but I thought, man, it's hard to it's it, it it's hard to really pinpoint. I thought it was more detailed in the old game, even though it the animation like, it looked like this, but better. Yeah, I think that's what he's trying to say. I think that's what I'm trying to say, it, and I hate to say that because I know that you know I'm sure there's more technical doodads going on here. But I thought just the general artwork was better in the 2002 game. As strange as that may sound, and maybe I'm just remembering it differently. That could be the case too. I mean, it's been a while since I played the old game, but I know at the time when I played Disciples 2 and I started, you know, and you would see guys have their have their canned combat animation, it would be like, whoa, that looks really good. And here, you really miss that. Uh, from what I've seen so far, the coolest animation is the dude with the tree trunk. Yeah. Smacking stuff around, which does admittedly look neat. But in the old game, everybody had a really cool combat animation, and I'm not seeing that at all in this game. It's more or less just a guy comes up with a sword and attacks. And I kind of miss that. So, Bruce, have you been able to put any time into Disciples 3 or not? No. I, you didn't think? No. I, the, the easy answer to that is no. Okay. Uh, uh, then I want to take this into a different direction and start with Disciples 3. Um, there are a lot of games like this. I mean, we have King's Bounty, we have Heroes of Might and Magic, the Disciples series. What separates the good ones from the bad ones? Because this isn't a genre that's really crowded. Uh, we're both, the mechanics are so similar from one to, mm-hmm. to another, there are some changes. What makes a good one of these types of games and a bad one? A bad one, I would say... To um, and, this, and this, I think, speaks to King's Bounty, at least for me, is that I like to have the challenge and the difficulty of the game scale nicely. And if it goes all over the place, I get frustrated. And King's Bounty did that to me, to where I would get to certain points in the game where I would go to certain islands, and I'm just getting my tail kicked. 
and I have no other option because if I if I don't level up characters properly, the game just punishes me for that, and that can be annoying. You put you know fifteen hours into a game, then you get to a point where it's like, oh, I didn't do this one thing right, and now I'm screwed. All right, well, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to jump into this thing and and argue with Bill because clearly he's saying a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing that really pisses me off about these games is if they're if stuff that happens in the game isn't the way that it really happened. So you have Wait, to use what? ahistorical strategies, or you know, uh, you know, there are a lot of like gnomes and goblins in it. When you know, you know that there were really weren't any gnomes and goblins at that time, or maybe they happened earlier or after the game period, but not you know specifically when the stuff happened in the game is trying to depict. So that pisses me off, and I don't really play much after that. Um, also, I mean, Bill just seems to be completely, uh, you know, what do you mean difficulty scaling nicely? I mean, I, I want it to be difficult. I don't want it to be, uh, you know, I don't want it to be, um, you know, easy now and hard later, or hard now and easy later. I just want to be really hard all the time so that I have to spend a whole lot of time figuring out how to play the game and become obsessed with it and uh, really, you know, get my money's worth. I mean, if I can't spend, you know, 500 hours playing the game to finally learn how to win, I mean, I feel like uh, I've been cheated. So Yeah, but uh, I don't know. My problem comes where <laughs> you're basically trying to, like, thread the eye of a needle, where the difficulty just, like, it, it turns into a brick wall. Like, you're fighting through several evenly matched battles, and then suddenly you're thrown up against something with no warning that it is mathematically impossible for you to handle that fight. But you're kind of locked in, you know, you're kind of stuck with it. Um, and then you got to go and try to figure out where exactly you went wrong to put yourself in this situation. Maybe that's um, how it really happened. Weren't you on the field of Blackbirds with the Serbs in 1389? I mean, there's no way they could win that, but, I mean, it still happened. So, I mean, come on. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I love you, Bruce. I really do. I'm starting to hate him. This but anyway. brings up a pretty good point. Um, King's Bounty, as an, as an example again. I put in a lot of time into that game. And talking about, you know, getting your money's worth and actually winning the game, I never won King's Bounty. I loved Heroes of Might and Magic 3. I don't think I won that game. I put in a just hours and hours and hours of it. And it when it when it hit the brick wall for me, going back to King's Bounty, I was mm-hmm. a little frustrated. I didn't play it much anymore, but looking back on it, did I get my money's worth? Yeah, sure. I I played that game so much and then then moved on. I'm not. I've never been someone that has to see the credits roll to consider myself having enjoyed something. But you ask some of the problems of those of of that genre, and that's mine. I, you know, one thing that kind of the thing I, the thing I love about Heroes of Might and Magic is that that tact, those tactical battles where you've got your army and the other army on the same field and you play that little simple hex-based war game, um, all of that is in service to this broader strategic context. Now, it might be a simple strategy game, but it is a strategy game. You know, you've got resources scattered around the map, mobs you know, guarding them, um, and an AI faction that you're at war with, and you're competing for these resources. And how you handle those battles is going to affect how your game unfolds. Um, and I enjoy I enjoy the context that gives it, and I enjoy the you know the the feedback between the two levels of the game. My problem with a game like King's Bounty is that there was no context. It was just you grab your stack of troops and you wander around the map picking fights until you clear a zone, and you get different troops 
bigger stacks, better troops, but it never really changed. It was very much, um, it was tactical grinding, and I never really felt it was in service to much of anything. And so that really caused me to lose interest in it, because, you know, as fun as that tactical game was, I didn't find it that that interesting. And once I got bored with that, there was really nothing else for me in that game. Whereas Heroes of Might and Magic, there were all these exciting little like strategic puzzles. Um, I was constantly, you know, measuring the risk of taking on a group of, um, you know, random monsters to get a resource, but that might leave me exposed to the AI. And so, did I want to risk this fight? Did I want to wait for the AI to pick the fight and then snipe them? Um, that was those were interesting decisions, and that's what I like about the genre. And that's what I really find lacking in, um, you know, King's Bounty. And hopefully, hopefully, I'll find more something more along those lines with uh, Disciples. Well, they're also different games. I think Heroes of Might and Magic is specifically more of a strategy game than King's Bounty. I've always looked at mm-hmm. King's Bounty as more of a, more of a adventure type game than than a strategy game. I mean, in King's Bounty, you have your map and you have these, and and they're more or less static. I mean, you have some things kind of roaming around, but I. I think they're slightly different designs. I, I can fully understand what your what your complaint would be for that, but at the same time, it's unfair to criticize. I think King's Bounty for for not doing something that it was never really intended to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think that lets it off the hook a little bit. I mean, you know, I know they never you know intended to do that, but I mean, for me personally, it a game has to do more than that to hold my interest, and King's Bounty didn't. I don't feel, you know, it's not a terribly ambitious game, and I don't give it a pass because of that, you know? I, I think Heroes is a better game. I certainly think that. I mean, even even the one, uh, who did the, was it, was it Nival that did the, the latest Heroes of Might and Magic game? Anyone know? Nival I don't know how you pronounce that. I don't know. The Russian guys? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce that, so it could be them, it could not be them. But uh, No idea. I mean, here's the question, though, because I have to say, Heroes of Might and Magic is a pretty formulaic game. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because Agreed. You're, it sets you up for all these really... I mean, <clears throat> you have these... I mean, it, it's, it's incredibly... Uh, it's incredibly simplistic in, in terms of, as, as far as a strategy game goes, you have these set areas, and you really can't get uh, past one of these set areas until you get a certain amount of you know strength in your stack because you have some undefeatable monster uh, protecting the, the path to the next area, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. okay. So, I mean, everything is sort of set, set out for you in a very scripted... Uh, linear way, and it's not. I mean, it's not very strategy in that sense, right? Yet it's still a fantastic game. I love it. Well, I, I mean, that that's actually one of my the problems I have with the game. One of the things that you know kind of drove me away from it is that it's it's like a strategic puzzle game. Like I never get the sense that there's a lot of ways I can handle these situations. It's more trying to figure out what the right way is to attack the map and the challenges there. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a it is I agree with you. It's a it's a puzzle game. A lot of it is a puzzle game. Uh except for the multiplayer which uh uh is actually much more interesting than the uh than the single player even though you will almost never be able to play uh multiplayer uh Heroes of Might and Magic. But um but I've, it, it, I've I've never played it in multiplayer. Could you explain why it's yeah. different or better? 
Oh, because because the multiplayer is, the, the multiplayer takes away all of that stuff, right? I mean, the uh, the the single player is you playing the system. The game, every scenario is set right. up. They're all scenarios, right? Yeah. And the scenario designer has sort of decided, okay, first you have to kill all these guys with these units, and you get these units to do it with, and then. Only after that are you going to be able to defeat this monster and get break through to this next set of units, right? And so, the 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 game design is actually fairly simplistic because the 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 person who's designing the scenario sort of only has to deal with one set of uh, one set of units at a time, one set of problems at a time. It's not something where you can decide to go one way and then another way, or you know, there aren't ten different solutions. Just like Rob says. The, the the questions that you're answering are really simple questions, uh, and you it's basically just so, sort of how efficient can you get at solving a problem so you can get to the next problem because that's all it is. And when you uh, when you play that in multiplayer, you have two people trying to solve those problems, and uh, you basically not only you have a set you have a separate uh, a separate opponent who He's not the AI. The AI does something completely different. The AI sort of wanders around and acts as a, as a, as, a, as another obstacle to these little checkpoints right. and these little gates, right? But when you play multiplayer, you have a person who's actively taking down those checkpoints, and it's a race to beat that guy. Because yeah, there's a race in this in the single player where uh, you know you can't you can't take too long, or the you know the opposing heroes are going to be stronger than your heroes and you're going to lose. But, uh, but there, you know, there are very, there, there are, uh, crucial decisions that happen early in a heroes of might and magic multiplayer game where, you know, if you lose a few too many units, you're not going to be able to take the next obstacle down in, you know, the next week. So you're going to have to wait a couple weeks. In the meantime, your opponent gets that many more builds and then he comes in sort of snowballs. So, uh, it's a it's a really different kind of vibe. Tom and I played uh, Heroes of Might and Magic two. No, sorry, who's sorry, Heroes of Might and Magic three uh, multiplayer game uh, for Tom versus Bruce a long time ago. And uh, Tom actually hadn't had a lot of experience with the Heroes of Might and Magic series, so I wish you were here. We could talk about that. That was a great game. He gave uh, it a bad review, man. I was very mad at Tom. It's one of the first Tom Chick reviews I ever read back in uh, CGM. This was really? Heroes of Might and Magic. Two. It was the second two? one. He two. didn't like two. He gave it. Well, he gave it two and a half stars. Oh, he's crazy. Great Where is he? We need to get him. But, I remember. Uh, I've, 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 like, I've been. I've been person. Yeah. We need but, Tom I mean, he, to come back. Yeah, he never. He never liked. The, he never liked the. Uh, he never liked the series in the first place. I think so. He didn't hadn't spent much time with it. So uh, we weren't really evenly. Well, that was one of the few times when actually I was much better at the game than he was. But uh, but it's still a completely different thing because you're you're. Um, the, the way the game is set up is sort of you take individual obstacles on a timeline, and uh, you have some amount of flexibility there to, to do it. And uh, when you're playing against another player, it's just a, it's a, a couple of weeks will just completely blow you up. I would I say that, that dynamic still exists in the single player. Mm, not so much. I disagree with you. I remember it quite distinctly. Okay. Well, I disagree with you. <laughs> the most recent version, I think, 
and I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm. That's if Heroes I'm Five. Um, yeah. And that was that that was developed by Nival, by the way. Yay. I did look that up. Anyway. All right, I'm not sure where I pulled that from, but um, I think that had simultaneous movement for multiplayer. I think it's been a while, and that definitely changed changed things around in the because you know he, a Heroes Three game, which I played so much of that, and. Uh, Played it with a lot of friends back in back in my college days, and we would you know come over and hang out and play a four-player heroes game, and it would take forever to play, but but still it was so much fun. And Bruce is right; it, it adds a very different dynamic to the game. But so did this recent one, where you would uh, where everyone would take their turn. There was no you know I go, I wait for ten minutes, then you go, and it was it was actually pretty cool. It's pretty cool how they did that. I have no clue, going back to Disciples, how that's handled. Not a clue. Disciples 3 does have multiplayer, does it? I don't know. We did a bang-up job with these preview copies. Yeah. My computer died. It was in Russian, and I kind of checked out. I started looking, you know. The menu wasn't in Russian. No. I need need to be spoken to, though. You'll get your lecture later. (laughs) God, have you on the show? You're not prepared. Does anybody play these games it does multiplayer, have multiplayer anymore, though? It does have multiplayer, yes. Does anybody I'd, do that? I don't, well, that's uh, a good question. Does anybody play multiplayer, period, for one thing? Uh, well, certain games get played multiplayer, of course. Right. Well, okay. I, I think for games like this, I think I think it is a problem finding people to play with. Um, you know, making the time for it. But I think the big one is community. Um, I'm more likely to play a game multiplayer when I know I can just sort of fire it up and find somebody, um, be it a friend or a stranger, who wants to play that game. With, you know, more niche interests, um, I'm more likely just not to go through the hassle and just play the single player until I get bored with it. Only well, a matter of niche interests. In a, in a turn-based game, these things take forever. Yeah. It's, not like, an R- it's not like an RTS where you can just boot it up and play it but in half an hour. Don't, um, you, don't you wackos play, like, uh, Civ 4 multiplayer? Hell no. I have. Not lately. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while since I played Civ. But I, I know that, that that happens and people do it. And people I thought it was you. Oh, yeah. Def- people definitely do it. Uh, right. so maybe- a, yeah, when people, but they generally they know each other and they have time and they can right. do it. Um, right. I mean, Bruce, you wouldn't have time to play Disciples 3 single player. Right. You wouldn't well, have time to play multiplayer. That's a different story. No, yeah, that's, that's true. But I mean, I, I guess the point is that you know, I, I've in my day, once upon a time, yeah. like fifteen years ago, I actually remember playing an uh, an online simul whatever you know, everybody was online yeah. at the same time, game of Warlords Three. And oh, wow. Uh, wow, yeah, and uh, it took forever. And of course, we were playing on like whatever whatever they had at that time, like twenty four hundred baud modems, and. Uh, <laughs> It was was awful. I mean, the game ended because everybody crashed or whatever. There weren't enough bits to fit through the whatever pipeline or whatever it's called. But um, but yeah, I mean, I've I've played those games, and it it does take a long time. And and also, when people are losing, it kind of sucks for them to sit around and move their two units, and then somebody else is moving their 18 units. And... uh, so, but uh, here's a here's a question for you. Weren't we supposed to talk about tactical RPG strategy RPGs? We haven't talked about a single one of them yet. We talked about a bunch of them. Like name one. Oh, you're gonna get me with one of those goddamn definitional tricks, aren't you? 
No, just name name one name one tactical strategy RPG right, that we've talked about. I'll, well, we talked about Jagged Alliance. I believe I shut you down with that before. We, we, we haven't talked we about Jagged Alliance. Talk about we mentioned that. it. We said the word Jagged Alliance, and that was it. And well, we, we brought it up, so I'm claiming it. What okay. what does Disciples fall into, Bruce, genre wise? It's a strategy game. Turn just a standard turn-based strategy game. It's got yeah. tactical elements. No, that doesn't come close to describing. No, it, but it has no. It doesn't have a role play. There's no role playing element to it at all. Well, no, because you have to make choices about character advancement and progression. No, that's not role play. No, no, sorry. Uh, uh-uh. uh. End of story. But that's the <laughs> definition of a role playing. Well, what? No, why isn't that role playing? Why isn't that role playing? People are crazy. What are you talking about? It, it, a tactical. This is this is what I would consider one of these tactical RPGs. Jacket Alliance would be one of them. Okay. An excellent game called Soldiers of Anarchy, which Troy will get a uh, uh, a little decades feature on later this week. Soldiers of Anarchy. Well, I, you, I, just, I, I, you just dropped really, a game that I've never heard of. You, you're, yeah. you're still writing those, Bruce? I, I have one half um, written. I had, to, so I had to stop writing it in order to do this podcast. I'm going on the internets right now. Okay, Soldiers of Anarchy. I thought that was. I thought Soldiers of Anarchy was a show on TBS or something. The Sons, Sons of Anarchy are, is on. That's Sons Epic. of Anarchy. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you guys are behind. All right. I am. Okay, so Soldiers of Anarchy, Jagged Alliance. Yeah, all these games where there's a there's basically where there are characters, but the story or uh, you know dialogue options or whatever are not really the main focus. Okay. The, the, How is that the, different from Disciples, which actually has you know campaigns with missions and a story? So I, I, I have to I have to say that I haven't played Disciples three at all. Well, any of the Disciples game two and Disciples. Well, start with the first Disciples. You had a you had a you had a large like strategy map. Yep. And you ran around on it and captured things, right? Yep. Yep. And that was it. Oh, Disciples Two had a story campaign. Yes, it did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, ex- very extensive one. Very extensive. Lo- lots of expansions, which covered different parts of the story that weren't being told in the original campaign. But you, n- but you didn't have a character where he went through the story and did stuff. Not a single character. No. Right. So at that I point, see, I, mean, I, see I, I, really I see where you're going. I, I can see where you're going. All right. I mean, the third one might. The third one has started off anyway. The tutorial was all yeah. about this one particular dude. And it's the same guy in the campaign. It is the same guy in the campaign? Yeah. Well, okay. given the, how much I know about the third one, it could be a sports sim for all I know. So, I mean, <laughs> the, but my point is that, you know, there's a difference between... This is the difference I, I, I make. There's a difference between a game like... Uh, what's that? Baldur's Gate. Yep. All right. Where you have a character and... The whole focus is the character and the people in his party, and they run around and they kill stuff, right? Yep. And the uh, something like uh, and and the point is to advance the story and to get to the end of the story, of which there is, I mean, there's ultimately uh, dialogue and 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 uh, sort of things that happen, story elements. Uh, People you need to meet in order to make the story, you know, end. And it's 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 really driven by uh, by the narrative. And games like Jagged Alliance that are very similar, but 
you have a bunch of different characters. It can be any character, right? I mean, it doesn't matter whether you, whether you finish the char- the campaign with Grunty or with Carlos mm-hmm. or with you know any of these other Jokers, and they're just the the characters themselves are strategy elements mm-hmm. that are used. They can be used in any different combination. No, it has that's nothing not to do with the story. And then the the different parts of the you know you can you can go through i remember i have to actually admit that i played the heck out of jagged alliance one the original jagged alliance yeah i I must have played i must have finished that game like five times um i think i only finished jagged alliance two once and i don't think i played through the completely ridiculous like alien thing romanian aliens or whatever it was um but you could do all that sort of stuff just, once again, you could pick different characters, you could um, you could take this, you know, um, capture these parts of the map or capture those parts of the map. It didn't really right. matter, right? I mean, it, it mattered to whether it was a good strategy or not, but it didn't matter in terms of the story itself. Um, so that's how I make that distinction between those two things. One is really focused on, but they're, but they're both... You know, to some extent, uh, one is a role-playing game that has tactical elements, and one is a tactical strategy game that has role-playing elements. Now, games like, you know, like I saw on um, on FlashofSteel.com, the sponsor of this podcast, uh, the uh, comment, you know, I really hope I hear about uh, Master of Magic and, you know, Age of Wonders in the podcast about... Um, about tactical strategy slash role playing games, those are games that are they're, they're solely strategy games. You run around, you totally have agree. you have one city, you can have another city, it doesn't matter. You have guys that are that are that are heroes, but they're just they're they're solely strategy elements. They have no story based uh, connection, or if they do, it's completely arbitrary. You're not making any. Cho- you're not making any story choices. You're you're completing a set of tasks that you know get you to the next part of the story. But it's it's a complete strategy game with just a sort of a sort of a story overlay. So th- that those are not strategy uh, role playing games. Those are not hybrids anyway. Those are just strategy games, and you have uh, units in them that gain levels. That's it. I'm down with go. that. I agree. Okay, now Rob, you said that. Bruce was wrong about something. Well, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't use uh, Mercs in Jagged Alliance two in any combination. One of the things that was really one of the tough balancing acts, especially as the game like went on, other. right? You would have teams that did not function, and you'd have to figure out who worked well together, who didn't, because ultimately you could end up having your army sort of fall apart in personal acrimony. I mean, it was a small thing, but I mean, it mattered, and it, and it mattered to some extent. But you could you could to be honest with you, you could. You could win that game with almost any combination of mercenaries. I didn't win. That, that's my contention. <laughs> we should put that to the test. <laughs> what about um, certain types of, obviously not strategy games, Bruce, but something like uh, like a Bioshock, something like a shooter? Mm-hmm. Are those are those are those role playing games or not? You know, Bioshock's not a role-playing game. If, if I'm, I'm just right. saying. I mean, because I'm trying well, to, I'm trying to fit with the criteria that's being laid out. Yeah, I, I know. If your game has, if if you have to make a dis, if you have to make 
the decision used regarding the word mouse look, then I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> we're sitting right here. We're like we're like a bunch of Marxists arguing, like you know, about definitions and purity tests. You know, does this fit the theory? Well, it's and getting I, harder about... and harder to define stuff. Not that it's important. Not you know. No, it's, but here's the point. But it's, but I mean, but none of this is unimportant. Yeah. The whole the whole discussion of games is not important. I mean, if you if you can't have arguments about you know silly categorization, what's the point? I mean, no, none of. The, the game itself, finishing it, not finishing it, doesn't save anybody's life or fix anything. So, I mean, it's all just a discussion for fun. So, what's the point? Well, I, I don't know. The thing, the, my my argument here would be, we're talking about games that ha- that combine elements in differing proportions of tactical and role playing elements, and they may not uh-huh. like. You know, and I don't think we need to sort too much within that group. I think it's, I think it's really tough to prize apart. You know, Jagged Alliance Two, from um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I always saw a lot of similarities between that and Fallout. Except Fallout is a little more narrative. Okay. Than I mean, Jagged that's Alliance interesting. Two is... It's interesting to discuss that. So, 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 give that's that's a very interesting point. I mean, develop it for me. Okay, fine. I like that. The in Jagged Alliance Two, it's it's all about micromanaging these combats and the narrative of the game such as it is is mostly in your hands because you're tasked with leading this insurgency to take over this oppressed island right yes. and it's this really interesting um you know balance between expanding but not kicking over the hornet's nest and getting wiped out by you know the best troops in the army you have to really balance those two things but it's all in your hands and you sort of manage the front right but the combat itself is micromanaged, you know, this guy steps here, this guy crouches here, uses this weapon. Um, and that's really similar to Fallout. The difference is mostly in how many tools and options Jagged Alliance chooses to give you in combat um, as opposed to what Fallout chooses to give you, give you in combat. Fallout, there's way fewer you know, choices you can make during, a, during an engagement than you can make in Jagged Alliance. They, but also because you only have fewer, you have fewer characters in Fallout, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah, you because can. Have... Fallout's focused about around a character and is telling a story about that character, whereas Jagged Alliance is focused around sort of a general strategy game where you put elements together to, uh, you know, to win the game in a number of different ways. Right, and Jagged Alliance doesn't shy from having a single, you know, firefight turn into, you know, a three-hour scenario with multiple teams converging and bet- duking it out. Whereas right. Fallout, it's, you know, it's much brisker. You know, you, it's very rare that you have, you know, turn-based or not, it's very rare that you have an engagement that lasts you, God, you know, even a half hour. Right. I, I agree with you. I just, I mean, it's, there are games that have different different focuses. And, and, and to be honest with you, I think one of the reasons... That games get lumped into the tactical category rather than this role playing category is that mm-hmm. some of them have elves and stuff and some of them don't. And I think that the, <laughs> I think you're right. I think I mean, you're I probably think, right. I think the way that 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 computer games developed, uh, it, at least a long time ago, or as, as I recall them when I was you know buying computer games through the mail because that was the only way you can buy them, was um, you know. People sort of wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons on the computer, and so all of the role-playing elements sort of got incorporated into these fantasy uh, background-type uh, games. And uh, the people who were interested in 
you know, tactical problems, the miniatures sort of war game guys, they were more interested in, uh, you know, the, the technical specifications of, you know, how many, you know, how accurate some rifle was. So Squad leader that, people. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. And those people, uh, you know, chose to, as those games developed, those games had a, a focus on, uh, you know, uh, weapons and sort of tactical combat and how uh, technology affected it. And there was really, there wasn't a lot of story behind it except for the background to the uh, background to the scenario itself. So I think that anything that started out with, you know, as, as things developed, things that were uh, more story-based ended up being, you know, fantasy-type things and things that were uh, strategy, tactical things were uh, more modern or, you know, World War II or whatever. So uh, I think that's sort of a, I think that's sort of a developmental uh, reason for the, for the arbitrary, uh, you know, sort of distinction. And I, and I agree with, you know, everybody. It's, it's, I mean, who cares, right? I mean, it's, it's interesting because we are interested in games and we talk about these things because they're interesting to us. I mean, what's right. the ultimate, uh, you know, significance of any of this discussion is zero. Right. right, but I mean, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always believed that the categories are important, so you know what we're comparing things to, right? Right. Well, I, I mean, think it's always been too easy. Whenever I think role playing game in any sense, it all goes back to story, and I think it's somehow, and this, I think it goes back to what Bruce was talking about with the older, older computer games that role playing games more had to do with stats, particularly on the PC. I mean, I've, I've been a pen and paper RPG guy. Well, not recently, but back when you were in school and high school and college, played those quite a bit, which was one of the reasons I got married so late. But um, <laughs> that we had a group to where, you know, the actual fighting and the actual, you know, plus one dagger of awesomeness, that didn't really matter as much as the story that we were trying to tell. To whereas on the computer, it's all about what was mentioned earlier about, you know, well, are you leveling up? Are you getting magic items? Are you doing this? Well, then it's a role-playing game. You know, then it has RPG elements. Right. And I, I, I've always looked at role-playing being specific to story. And that's why some of these games, when they get tossed around, well, it's, well it has RPG elements. Well, no, it doesn't. Because if, if, if that's the criteria, then everything's a role-playing game. And I think right. that's a bit too easy. Yeah, I mean, I think that the whole idea of role-playing game, the thing that makes a role-playing game to me is if, if if you have, and this is really sad because computers have done such a bad job until maybe recently, but even then you're sort of stuck in a kind of sort of different dialogue tree branch. If you have a dialogue tree where you make meaningful choices, I think the Deslock uh, sort of made his definition, which I'm going to butcher right now, but... Uh, the idea that you make choices in the development of your character that you know have to do with the story and not necessarily with the stats of your character. Um, okay. I'm sure that's not really exactly how he put it, but um, you know, there, <clears throat> there's another game that I want to mention, which I think gets to this whole question. Uh, is a game called Odium. I don't know how many people have played Odium. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Okay. I really, really liked Odium. And a lot of people didn't. And I remember there was a huge Usenet freakout uh, when I wrote an article for Quarter 3. I think it was one of the first articles for Quarter 3 yep. where uh, I said that Odium was a better game than Shadow Watch, which is another game people might not remember, but which I really didn't like. Um, and 
the um the, both game I think Shadow Watch was actually Shadow Watch is pretty much a straight up uh strategy game. Um even though you did have to level up guys, but there <clears throat> you were just totally in you know, these various scenarios and you just had to solve them. And Odium was a game that had a totally had a story. I mean, it was a very it was a linear story. You just had to get from engagement to engagement. <coughs> so it wasn't really any role playing involved. But um, but the tactical uh, the, the tactical engagements were um, really stylized and abstract. Like you had rifles. Rifles could only shoot diagonally, as I recall. And um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and sort of like, sort of like chess. Yeah, kind of. It was almost. It was very chess-like, um, but but the way they did it was really. I mean, it, it led to a lot of interesting problems that you had to solve in these tactical, uh, in these in these tactical engagements, and you know you had um, the monsters became more and more uh, deadly. Obviously, like in any game, I mean that's not it's not un, you know it's not unique in any way. But uh, the way they, the way they represented it. On the map, on the board, with um, you know, with the different chess-like uh, uh, chess-like sort of analogy, uh, was really very clever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, while I wouldn't call that a role-playing game, you know, I think that was definitely a definitely a, a strategy game with you know some you know minor role-playing elements because it had a story and you didn't make any choices really, as I recall. You just had to kind of get through all this stuff. Um, you know that. That kind of, I, I think that's the the um, the sort of the the limit of how far a game can go in the strategy uh, in the strategy setting without giving you meaningful character choices. After after right. that, I mean, you, you take you take people through a bunch of set piece scenarios. Um, there's really nowhere to go with that until you uh, you have to let it branch out. When the only way to let it really branch out is to have you make character choices. About you know, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to I'm going to tell this guy no, I'm not going to kill that monster, uh, and that you know changes the whole path of the story. That's similar to like uh, if you remember um, incubation. Remember that yep. one? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the whole yeah. It's the whole idea of you don't have that choice not to kill that guy. You right. have to get past this map. So yeah, yes. I, I exactly. see where you're going. That, and I think that that in a sense makes makes things a strategy game. Although there are plenty of games. I mean. I, I remember playing Baldur's Gate, and I don't remember having a lot of choices in Baldur's. I mean, you could sort of not much, but you not didn't much. Really, yeah, you, all your choices were character development for the most part. Right, all yeah. stat. But, yeah, it's yeah. So, so I mean, why is why is Baldur's Gate a uh, a role playing game? Uh, probably because it's fantasy, I guess, and yeah. because it's focused it on one It has the Munchkin. It, it, it was the D and D Munchkin attitude. You know, everything yes, was yeah, about you start numbers. out at level one and you're ready. everything was about numbers. And you know, we used to we used to really dislike playing role playing games back in the day with people that were all about that. That wouldn't you know actually try to get in and help tell the story. It was all about well, you know, I'm going to use this item even though my guy would look really stupid, but it gives me plus four of brilliance. Right. You know, right. everything was about yeah. numbers. Well, well, I mean, that's the thing that's easy to do on a computer, right? Is to right. is to is to keep track of all those numbers and to optimize those numbers. But that was that was always one of my big problems with you know RPGs that you know utilized a lot of stats. Is that ultimately there were a lot of stats and you had to pay attention to them, but the end state of you successfully managing those stats is they really didn't mean much of anything. Um, you know, like you level up your guys correctly. Like I mean, for me, the re- like 
taking Neverwinter Nights, a game I lost interest in. Um, you know, you had to manage all these stats, but I never really felt the game was opening up any new gameplay possibilities or, you know, the fighting was getting easier. It always perfectly matched the level of my guys so that my experience when I was level one, level three was pretty much the same it was same as the experience I had when I was higher levels. You just got new toys. Right, exactly. And the toys were cool for like the first 10 seconds, you know, when you had them in that, you know, dungeon, you got it because you could feel the power up. Then you got to a new place and the enemies were all scaled up and it was the same, it was the same fight. And what I really like, what I really like about, you know, these tactical RPG hybrids, whatever the combination, you know, of those elements is, like Jagged Alliance, one of the things I loved, Jagged Alliance 2, is mm-hmm. that new ways of playing the game would open up to you as you advanced your troops, um, specialized them, got them good gear, and it wouldn't be taken away from you. Um, you know, it, it persisted. So at the start, you're you're fighting with pistols and some machine guns and everything. It's all about these close range skirmishes and not you know biting off more than you can chew, and pretty much making allowances for the fact your guys aren't very good soldiers. But as you develop, you can start you know running more aggressive military, you know, type of strategies where you got your sniper, you know, and you get him in a good position, he can command a huge field of fire. And somebody else, you can trust him, just march out into, you know, march out into the killing field and headshot a guy. And that wouldn't stop. And that's that's one of the things I appreciate about the, you know, the tactical RPG is that those RPG elements, that progression, which is so often irrelevant in, you know, a more pure RPG, suddenly actually at least, you know, in my experience, it matters more. You know, the progression the, the progression my character goes through matters because it opens up opportunities for play. I think some of the good ones, some of the good role-playing games, and even the, even the tactical RPG role-playing games, they, they, they do give you that little taste. It may not last very long, but when you do upgrade to get the new unit or the new weapon or just the new toy of whatever... That they give you that little taste of, okay, this is what you've been dealing with. Now you get this new toy. Watch how cool it is. You know, and then it does its thing. And then, you know, you get that, you get that quick rush of, wow, that's, that's really neat. And then it scales up to where that doesn't always work. But, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you completely. And, by the way, guys, I'm in the middle of a lightning storm. So if I happen to, to uh, lose uh, I'll be wrapping up soon voice, here anyway. We'll be wrapping exciting. up soon here anyway. That's very exciting. Um, you know, we never mentioned the words XCOM. We did not, and we will probably have an entire show to XCOM with a classic uh, game design revisit. After the E3 sometime. demo, it's kind of been knocked out of my brain. So sometime next month, we'll revisit what a proper demo? of what of, of the new XCOM. Of the new XCOM. New, see, this is how much I don't know about gaming. There's you would totally XCOM. hate it because it it's has a mouse look. It has mouse look in it. Oh, mouse look! I hate that. <laughs> That's what the pros do, right? Okay, just checking. Uh, so yeah, we'll probably visit revisit XCOM uh, in a future show. I think it'd be a great show for a classic uh, game analysis. Maybe sometime in July. That's also not uh, why game. July. Because Sidonia. I don't know. It's just because July is soon. <laughs> That's why. Because this is the last show in June. I mean, <laughs> so is, is, it's going to be July. Role playing game because you have uh, pretenders. Yes, yeah. Dominions is a role playing game. Okay, good. You didn't know that? No, I always tell Stefan, I always tell Deslock that it's a role-playing game, but he still won't play it, so whatever. Yeah, well, 
he's wrong about many things. Right about many, but wrong as well. But um, the Origins board game uh, con- uh, conference convention thing ended uh, today here in Columbus, where I where I live, and I'm I'm this gigantic board game uh, nerd, and uh, didn't go at all. Wow, that's pretty. I thought you were going to go this year. I was going to go this year, but things didn't work out. So yeah. I know. So I I guess I mean we have to go to Gen Con. I. I, I have never been to Gen Con in my life. Gen Con's Ever. indie. Road trip. Yeah, it is. And um, it didn't used to be north. Didn't it used to be in Minnesota. It used to be in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Lake Geneva, where uh, TSR lived. But yeah, I need to go to one of these things, you know. But but I missed out. Yeah, Julian's going to be there, so. Good. We oh, could do a show. We should all go do a show. Yeah, and we can. <laughs> We should all get together and play Britannia because it's awesome. Britannia is actually a good game. You mean you're talking about the old Avalon Hill Britannia, right? Uh, the the FFG version is pretty much the same. A few tweaks, but yeah, Why same did thing. Why you make a new version of Britannia? I because they could sell it, and it's prettier. All right, I guess. But it's the same thing. Have, yeah. What do you mean you know. prettier? Does it have like bigger? Pe- are like the, is the cardboard like three inches thick? Because I hate that crap. They're pretty it. thick. They're pretty darn thick. The map is the map's gorgeous, you know. And plus, you get to have Norwegians and Danes and all those guys invade Britain. It's cool. But yeah, pretty much the same game. Um, so this was. <laughs> uh, please, you can expect more commentary on Disciples Three on Flash or Steel once I've played through more of the preview. I'll be writing up my thoughts on it on the beta. Uh, first, I have to get my activation code kind of re-released and reactivated because hardware failure is installed once, won't let me activate it again. How so, is the PC, Troy? Is, is everything back? It's fixed. The desktop's up and running again. I'm all, all set. right. I'm all set. A uh, couple of activation you keys. Happy Troy. Yes. Mad Troy. Uh, I was not happy. I was very, very, very angry, uh, and well, my wife was kind of freaking out about my computer dying again. It was just bad RAM. Uh, so, Bill Abner, uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great. I love I love coming on. I really enjoy it. Well, you know, we may end up calling on you uh, more in the future uh, because you're such a great guest. People love having you. If you want to hear more of Bill Abner and hear him become really, he's kind of like the Bruce of uh, the Jumping the Shark podcast <laughs> over at Game Shark because he goes on some nice rants. And yeah, this was very, you know, I, I again, I had to know my place, and I wasn't, I wasn't going to get out of line. So oh, I was kind of hoping you and Bruce would have a fight. But no, we agree on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's scary, actually. And it goes that's back what, to the whole we need Tom stuff, you know. We that's we were why we need we need Tom. We were on the same page. Oh yeah, the whole Heroes Two thing that would have been great. Yeah, we need Tom here. It's just yeah. Well, you can all put pressure on Tom to come back on the show since he is missed. Uh, so, once again, Bill Abner uh, is the straw that stirs the drink uh, over the Jumping the Shark podcast. If you listen to Flash of Steel, I was on two of their E3 shows and yep, on great. one of their episodes just a couple of weeks before E3. Highly recommend you check it out. It is becoming one of my favorite shows on the internet and not just because I love these people. So I'm sure that's, <laughs> so I'm sure that's part of it. Bruce, so glad you came back, and I'm looking forward to that article ever being actually being written. Oh, you, you, you see, so you don't believe that it's actually going to happen, do you? You totally don't believe it. You know, I, 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 I believe it now that you told me. Now yeah. that you told me, I believe it. Uh, it but I thought, I thought it was lost. I thought it was no, entire. It, 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 we'll, we'll see it at some point. I kind of gave up on that series altogether, actually. But uh, no, you... don't give up on it. You'll get some more stuff. You're awesome. Right. Uh, and Rob, as always, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. 
Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks, guys. There it is. There it is. <laughs>